0: And watching there unto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Father, I pray that you would uh, help this prayer to be answered in our, in our midst today, Lord, that you would give me utterance, Lord, to preach the gospel and boldness to speak the word. I pray that you would uh, help many other pastors and churches across our world, around our world, across our nation, that are standing this morning and preaching the word. I pray that their churches would grow. I pray that people would heed and listen, hear the word, and obey the word. I pray that you'd help each and every one here under the sound of my voice, either in this room or on live stream to do what the bible says it's not important what man says it's important what you say lord and so help us to listen today have a heart to hear that as we just sang about that you would make our hearts soft not to be a heart of stone but a heart of flesh and to listen in jesus name i pray amen please be seated this morning we looked at the belt of truth we've looked at the Breastplate of righteousness, Jesus' righteousness. We looked at the good news, shoes. We learned about being a sermon in shoes. And then we saw the shield of faith. God is our shield. And when God is our shield, we can withstand any attack that comes against us. Then we saw the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit in verse 17. Last week, we saw that sword of the Spirit in the hands of Jesus when he was uh, tempted in the wilderness. And, um, he pulled out the sword. Amen. Whenever Satan comes along, whenever we're tempted, we need to fight temptation with the sword. Amen. And, uh, there's areas where we know we should just get out of the situation. If it's a, uh, if it's a lust of the flesh situation, the Bible says, Paul says to flee youthful lust. But when it comes to Satan, satanic attacks, which there are many of those, many of those in our world. Uh in the course of life we are bombarded by satanic attacks We need to fight that with fight that philosophy with the word And uh, we got to know what the word says. So get in the word Read your bible pray every day and you will do you know the rest of that song you will grow 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 Neglect your bible forget to pray and you'll shrink 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 And uh, that's a good song and it has a good biblical truth Uh, but we need to get in the word So that we can grow, get in the word and use the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And then we see in verse number 18, pray. If if you put verses 17 and 18 together, we see we need to read the word of God. We need to use the word of God in our battles. And then we need to pray, pray, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. In June of 2013, and I don't know if you've seen the video, but I've seen it, there was a news broadcast across the country that featured a little boy named Grayson Clamp. And he did something he had never done before. He uh, was born uh, without the auditory nerves that carry sound to the brain. They had uh, tried to use a cochlear implant to give him the ability to hear, even though he was deaf. But because he had no auditory nerve, there was no way for sound to get to his brain. And so the University of North Carolina did something that they had never done before. And they did an experimental procedure and implanted an auditory nerve directly into Grayson's brain. And this procedure proved successful. And millions of people enjoyed seeing... The look of wonder and joy on this little boy's face when he heard his father's voice for the very first time. And so just like that little boy delighted in hearing his father's voice, God delights in hearing his children's voice. We need to come to God in prayer. Prayer is the energy that enables the Christian soldier to wear the armor of God and to wield the sword. We cannot fight the battle in our own power. We need the power of God. It doesn't matter how talented we think we are. In fact, our talented, uh, our talent, and our gifts many times get in the way of us trusting the Lord. We're trusting ourselves. We're trusting our ability. Somebody could get up and preach a great sermon, but without the power of God, we're not going to have the effect that we could have had. We need God's power. It doesn't matter if you can sing. Uh, You can get up and sing a a wonderful song and the message be true. And I, I, I thank God that his word will not return void. The message gets out. Praise God for that. But God wants us to be working in the power of the Spirit, not in our flesh. And so we need to have the armor of God. But in order for the armor of God to work for us, we need the power of God. When Amalek, when the Amalekites attacked Israel... Moses went up in the mountain to pray, while Joshua was down in the valley wielding the sword. And uh, it took both to defeat Amalek, Moses in the mountain praying, and Joshua with the sword in the valley. Prayer is the power for victory, but not just any kind of prayer. Paul tells us that we need to pray in order to fe- defeat Satan. We need to pray in a certain way. He says, praying always, number one, verse, uh, verse 18. Praying always. Now, this obvious doesn't, obviously does not mean that we're always saying prayers. Could you imagine trying to drive a car and, and just being continually praying, and, and you, know, you bow your head, close your eyes as you drive? You can't do that. But you don't have to bow your head and close your eyes to be in prayer and to be in a mode of prayer. And we need to be, what he's saying there, praying always, we need to be always in communion, communion, fellowship, communication and fellowship, communion with our Lord. Sometimes we turn it off on Sunday afternoon and turn it right back on on Sunday morning thinking that that we're doing the right thing We cannot turn on and off. We should not turn on and off our communion with the Lord. We need to be in constant communion with the Lord. Fellowship with God. God is always with us. He always sees us. And we need to keep the receiver off the hook and be in prayer always because we always need God. Has there ever been a moment when you didn't need the Lord? Many times we thought we didn't need the Lord And we found out we really did need the Lord. Amen. We always need God's help. Pray always. And then he says, pray with all prayer. You know, there's more than one kind of prayer that we could pray. He says, praying always there uh, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Thanksgiving and intercession are two modes of prayer, two ways that we can pray that we many times neglect. We're coming to God with our needs. We're coming to him with our supplication. We're saying, God, meet this need. And many times that's just how we are. We're wired that way. We are constantly thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about our needs. And very rarely do we ever thank God for the needs that he is meeting and has met. We need to thank God. Thank God, thanksgiving. Just like we always should be praying and in communion with God, we need to always be thankful. Not just on the fourth Thursday in November. Always thankful. And sad to say, many people are not even thankful on the fourth Thursday in November. We're probably sometimes more selfish on that day, aren't we? We're missing out on something, you know? Oh, that somebody burnt the, uh, uh, the yams, you know, or whatever. Oh, I'm going to miss out on this deal because I can't do Black Friday at Target and at Walmart at the same time. Somebody else is going to get whatever it is that we think we need to have. Do you see how that Satan has even crept, crept into that day? And it's not even Thanksgiving anymore. It's Turkey Day. So that's just my friendly public service announcement to get prepared for Thanksgiving so that we're even thankful on that day. But we need to be thankful of the 364 other days of the year, praying always with all prayer. Thanksgiving is a great weapon, a great prayer weapon for defeating Satan. Praise changes things as much as prayer changes things. The mature Christian doesn't grumble. He prays in the time of trouble. And taking it to the Lord of, in prayer is a mark of spiritual maturity. Do you know when your children, a sign that your children have matured, is that they're not constantly thinking about their own needs And when your children get to be about five, six, and seven, sometimes you get those glimmers of hope, you know? You're like, oh, wow, it's actually all pain. Oh, finally, a little bit! You know, they're not just focused on me, 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 and mine, mine, mine. Once in a while, if you're training them right, they start to think about other things. They start to think through things, like Silas now. Thinking through that when we come back from church, we're going to need to make sure that the garage is cleared of all the bicycles so that we can park the car in the garage, things like that, where it's just a glimmer of hope. Wow, they're thinking through. They're think- and when you listen to your children pray and they're thinking about things like, wow, we didn't even talk about that, but they're already thinking about the needs of others, and that's a blessing to see that. But they're thankful, and that's always a blessing because uh, taking it to the Lord in prayer is a mark of spiritual maturity and not grumbling in the time of trouble. We're going to God when we have needs. Instead of constantly complaining, 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 we're going to God and just saying, thank you, Lord. I know that this is a problem right now. This is a difficult situation, but I know you've got it all worked out and i trust you lord and thank you for all that you've done in in my past and thank you for all that you're doing right now even i got a funny story about a cowboy out west he was driving down a dirt road and uh, his dog was riding in the back of the pickup truck and his faithful horse his horse was in the trailer behind them and he failed the, the cowboy failed to negotiate a curve and they had a terrible accident And sometime later, a highway patrol officer came to the scene. The highway patrol officer, being an animal lover, he saw the horse first. And he realized the serious nature of its injuries. And so he drew his service revolver and put the animal out of its misery. Sorry for all of you horse lovers, but I'm going to the dog lovers next. He walked, and by the way, this is not a true story, okay? So, you know... Relax, it's okay, you know, it's just a, just a story. And he walked around the accident, and he found, he found the dog next. The dog also hurt critically. There was nothing that could be done to save the dog's life. And so he couldn't bear to hear it whine in pain, and so he ended the dog's suffering as well. Finally, he located the cowboy who suffered multiple fractures off. He was over off in the weeds somewhere, and a highway patrolman came up to the cowboy who was injured very seriously. But he says to the, the cowboy, he says, Hey, are you okay? Which the cowboy took one look at the smoking revolver in the trooper's hands and quickly replied, Never felt better. <laughs> well, that's... When we come to God... When we come to God, may we not always come to Him complaining and saying, God, I'm missing out on this. God, I don't have that. God, you need to meet this need. God, you need to do this. God is not supposed to be there at our beck and call. It doesn't mean He doesn't love us, but God is our Heavenly Father. He's not our Heavenly Bellboy. What if more than talking and complaining and venting and posting, what if we prayed? And when God's people pray, there is an incomprehensible peace that comes over us where the impossible becomes possible. Where what seemed to be impossible, where what seemed to be uh, beyond our ability, and which probably was in reality beyond anyone's ability, becomes a miraculous thing in God's hands where only God can be glorified. When we trust him, and instead of failing the grace of God, instead of living the way that we naturally go, we say, I'm going to trust God even in this terrible situation. And I know God has it under control, and God's going to make something good out of this bad thing. So not only do we see that we should be Praying with all prayer and thanksgiving. But then, as Philippians 4, 6 tells us, to come to him with supplication, but also thanksgiving. And intercession. Intercessory prayer. Where we pray for other people. See, most of the time it's about me, 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 mine, mine, mine. And not about thanking God for all that he's done. And really, many times we very rarely, very rarely truly go to God on other people's behalf. Other people need God as well. And intercession for others can bring victory into our own life. I think about Job uh, 42, towards the end of Job, we see that the Lord turned the captivity of Job. All the things that happened in his life, all the bad things that happened, God, God turned it all around eventually. And in Job chapter 42, we see what the Bible says there, as the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Job didn't have the world's greatest friends, by the way. He had people that were discouraging him, but he went to God on their behalf. And the Bible says, and I don't think it's a coincidence, that the Lord turned it all around when he learned to pray for others. You know, when you are having a hard day, a bad day, a difficult season in your life take some time. I know it's hard, but take some time to thank God. Praise God in that moment. Say, God, thank you so much for what you've done. Even thank you for this trial. Thank you for this trial. But Lord, there are other people that have needs. And may you turn my eyes off of my circumstance and my hour of pain and my season of trouble. And Lord, help me to look to to you, but then also to others who have needs. And help me to pray for them. And when God imparts to you and impress is on our hearts, that there's a need. May we do what we can to meet the need and then pray for the need. As John Gill says about Job, "'For when and while he was praying, "'or quickly upon it, there was a turn in his affairs, "'he presently found himself in better health. "'His friends came about him, "'and his substance began to increase.' Satan had no more power over him, and the presence of God was with him, all which was of the Lord, and he enjoyed it in the way of prayer. And as the fruit of that, also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. God blessed Job, and I believe it had something to do with the state of his heart. So Job was a just man. Job was a good man. He was a good man. And that's why Satan wanted to attack him. Because Satan told God that he only blesses you because you've blessed him. And Job came through that trial glorifying God, praising God. But I believe the state of his heart, the state of his heart, the condition of his heart was reflected in the fact that he decided to not just focus on himself, but to focus on the needs of others as well. I believe that takes great faith. And that's what God blesses. For without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So the believer who prays only to ask for things is missing out on blessings that come with intercessions and giving thanks. And we see the next phrase there. Look at it, verse 18, Ephesians 6, 18. So not only are we supposed to pray always without prayer and supplication, but we're supposed to pray, what's the next three words, in the, can you say it? Pray in the Spirit. Do you have your Bible? Look at it, verse 18. Pray in the Spirit. The Bible formula is that we pray to the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit. Now that's why the method of our prayer, the, the, the way that we pray is our Heavenly Father. Just as Jesus prayed, our Father which art in heaven. We are praying to the Father, and we're praying through the Son. That's why we end our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. But we have to also understand that we're praying in the Spirit, by the the power of the Spirit. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, outside the Holy of Holies, outside uh, the uh, veil, before the veil, there was a small golden altar standing. And there was a priest who would be there burning incense. The incense is a picture of prayer. And it had uh, to be, uh, the incense there had to be ignited. It was burned as an offering to the Lord. And not only is incense a picture of prayer, the fire is also a picture, it's a, prayer, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit who, uh, who empowers our prayers. And the Holy Spirit takes our prayers, and ignites them. It is impossible to pray, truly pray, without the power of the Holy Spirit. And many of the reasons, one of the many reasons, I should say, that we do not pray as Christians is because we are are grieving the Holy Spirit in some area of our life. We are not in communion with God. As I said, we need to pray always because we always need God, and we need to be always in communion with God. We need to be in fellowship with Him. But most Christians live their life out of fellowship with God because of sin, because of some area that they have said no to God. They have have pushed away God. They have grieved the Holy Spirit. They have quenched the Holy Spirit in some way. And because of that, there's no power in their life. Their prayers don't, don't produce anything. They need to have God's power. We need God's power. It is possible to pray fervently in the flesh and never get through to God. It is also possible to pray quietly in the spirit and see God's hand do great things. It is possible for us to to pray a quiet prayer that moves mountains. As we, we reflected on earlier uh, in this study about faith, the Bible says that, that it is only faith, a small amount of faith is required, only a small amount of faith is required to move something big, like a mountain. Because it's not the amount of faith, it's who we have faith in. And so we need to have the power of the Spirit, because without the power of the Spirit, we can do nothing, absolutely Nothing. But with the power of the Spirit, we can do anything that God wants done. And by the way, prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven as much as it is getting God's will done here on earth. I believe that God's will is always done in heaven. But sad to say, it is not always done here on earth. And that's what we need. That's why Jesus said, pray, uh, thy will be done on heaven, in, in earth as it is in heaven. So, uh, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And then moving on, we see verse 18, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. Watching thereunto. Pray with your eyes open. Keep alert. The phrase watch and pray occurs often in the Bible. When Nehemiah was building the, uh, the walls around Jerusalem, uh in nehemiah 4 9 he said nevertheless we made our prayer unto god and we set a watch now we need to we need to realize that there is an attack coming we are constantly under attack and so we have to watch for the attack we need to prepare for the attack watch and pray is the secret of victory over the world the flesh and the devil we need to be, uh, be cognizant or aware. We need to recognize that we have an, an enemy without the camp that is constantly b- uh, bombarding us. And we have to be ready for that. Then he says, uh, pray, not only watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication, for all saints. For all saints. The Lord's Prayer, which I, I've had people ask me, why don't we say the Our Father? Well, and I I don't probably have a a real short answer for that today, but the fact that we call it the Our Father, to me, kind of says, well, it's kind of already become kind of a rote thing. It's scripture, it's important, but it's a model prayer. It's not just a a, a recitation. Um, And I don't think there's anything sinful about a church that that quotes the Lord's Prayer in its service. nothing wrong with that. But I don't want us to focus so much on what Jesus' prayer was as much as or the words that are in the Scripture as much as it is the mode and model that we should follow. He says, when you pray, this is how you ought to pray. Uh, it, it is a pattern for us. It's a general prayer. But I believe that we should be specific in our prayer. Uh, Clarence Sexton has said, nothing is... Dynamic until it is specific. If we're going to have power, I think we should be specific about things. It requires more faith sometimes to be very specific in our prayers rather than to be general in what we're praying. And so he says to pray with perseverance. The word perseverance means to stick to it and to not quit it doesn't mean that we're twisting god's arm prayer is simply perseverance in prayer is simply that we have a deep burden we are concerned with something and many times we are quitting before the prayer is answered god is about ready to answer some prayers but many times we give up we say god god you've not answered me You've not, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says to stop praying. I believe that the only time that we stop praying is when the Holy Spirit has answered the prayer, when the Father has answered the prayer, or the Holy Spirit says, my grace is sufficient, somewhere. As Paul, Paul prayed three times for something very specific. Even though we don't have the specifics in Scripture, he prayed three times for the thorn in his flesh. And then the lord imparted to him that i'm not going to remove this thorn i'm not going to take away the problem in your life that you're praying about god remove this problem god help me with this god fix this problem many times god's answer is i'm going to give you grace i'm going to help you with that but we need to be persevering in our prayer persevering keep on praying until the spirit stops you or the father answers you but praying also for all saints the very last phrase there for all saints The Lord's Prayer begins with our Father, not my Father. We pray as part of God's family. Our Father, not my Father. He is my Father, but he's also our Father, and that's how we pray. We're praying as a group. We're praying for all saints, not selfish prayers. Paul did not ask them, also, I want to say lastly, he did not not ask them in this prayer to pray for his comfort or safety. He says in verse 19, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly. He's praying for effectiveness in witness. He's praying that God would give him power to preach. He says in verse number 19, And for me the utterance may be given, that I may be able to speak, that I may open my mouth. What's the next word say? Boldly, boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel. My friend, you and I need to be preparing to share the gospel. It is not someone else's job to share the gospel. It is our job to share the gospel. We might be thinking, well, there's a bigger church out there that can do a better job. God has called all of us into the gospel ministry. And so this is a a prayer for all of us. We should ask God to give us boldness to preach the gospel, to preach the word. And uh, yet, sad to say... As he is saying here in verse number 20, I am an ambassador in bonds. What does that mean, an ambassador in bonds? We understand, but Paul, when he's writing this this verse here, when he's writing this letter, as we're reading, he was in prison. Don't you think that it would be time to just kind of hang it up and just to kind of give up since I'm in prison and there's nowhere else for me to preach? He didn't see it that way he said god he said it's on the church to ask that god would give him boldness to preach the gospel because he's an ambassador in bonds that i may speak boldly as i ought to speak he's not asking for comfort he's not asking for safety he's asking for effectiveness in his witness and ministry i've read this recently the largest idol right now In the American church, what do you think it is? The largest idol. I'm not saying, no, somebody said football. I'm not talking about a statue, which that is an idol as well. We shouldn't have those in church, okay? Amen. No statues, no idols in churches or anywhere else. Not on your dashboard, not in your garden. We don't need that because we're not praying to an idol. We pray to our... God, as Jesus said, we're not going to worship in a building as much as it is spirit and in truth. Okay? It's not in a location, it's who we're praying to. But the biggest idol in the American church right now is comfort. Comfort. We don't want to have trouble in our life, we don't want to have problems. You might be saying, Pastor, what's wrong with that? Because Because could it be that the trouble in our life, that God has allowed it to happen in our life to remind us of our need to be dependent upon God? God may have very well allowed us to have problems, and yet we have have decided to reject God's way, and we have sought out some other idol called comfort. God, help me to have comfort in my life. I don't want trouble in my life. Could it be that this is why we aren't having revival in our country? This is maybe why we're not having revival in our churches and in our own personal lives. We want comfort and we don't want any trouble. But revival comes when we realize that we need God. I need God. I don't pray because I don't think I need God. When you don't pray, it's because you don't think that you need God. Revival comes when we finally accept the reality that we cannot live the Christian life in our flesh. And we are tempting Satan... When we don't pray, we're saying, come on, Satan, come on, come on. I'm I'm free game right here. I'm putting a target on my back because I don't think I need God's help. I'm saying, Pastor, I have never asked Satan to attack me, but somehow he just keeps attacking. Well, he will continue to attack you, but you need to realize that he will do that. He is our enemy without... We have the enemy within, we have the enemy below, and the enemy without, if you're thinking of the world, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But we are constantly being bombarded, and we need God more than we realize. And we will not have personal revival until we realize that. God wants to do something in our churches. God wants to do something in our homes, in our personal lives, in our workplaces. Why aren't we seeing scores of people getting saved? That's normal Christianity. You look at the early church, many were getting saved under persecution. Persecution is not what our problem is in America, comfort is our problem. St. Pastor, was, we, we were doing so well until you brought up the comfort thing, okay? Because that's what I like. I, I understand. I'm not saying that that's an abnormal uh, desire, okay? It's not abnormal. And it's not a sin if you have comfort in your life. God God allows blessings like that. But it's a sin when we allow that to become our idol. Where all we want and all we desire and all we live for is to have a cushy life in this world. Because you could have all the money, you could have all the fame, and it could be gone tonight. Because that's not what lasts and god says i want to make you more like jesus and in order to do that you have to get your cross and suffer well pastor i can tell you why our scores are not getting saved because nobody wants to suffer and actually the the reality is in persecution the church grows did you know that in persecution the church grows because when Christians are willing to follow Christ, even though it means death and suffering, guess what? People sit up and take notice, and the Holy Spirit does a work in the hearts of men when they see people are willing to die for Jesus. But it's sad when we have churches where the reason we're not growing in this, in this, this country, as far as the churches aren't growing, is because Christians won't even serve Jesus when it's easy. They're not serving Christ when it's easy. My friend, you come to church Sunday morning, you get a lunch cheaper than you could go to McDonald's. But that shouldn't be why we come here. We have air conditioning, which is a blessing, and I'm not going to shut it off just so we appreciate it, okay? We have padded pews. We have cars to get ourselves here. I said, well, Pastor, I had to walk or I had to take the bus. Hey, you had a way to get to church. You have legs. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are here today. You're blessed. But sad to say, many will just skip out on Thursday night. Many don't get involved with the soul winning outreach. I'm not saying you have to be here on Saturday morning to be a soul winner. But you're not involved. You you just, you want that comfort. You don't want to be disrupted. We don't want that. Our flesh says, comfort me. But we need to strike down that idol and say, no more. God, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. Wherever you lead me, I will go. Whatever you say, that's the rule. You are my God, and there are none other beside you. And so revival comes when we realize that we need God. Think about those that find God, those that are truly, truly finding the Lord in their Christian walk, are the ones that have been brought to the breaking point. And instead of becoming defeated, although they may feel defeated up to that point, they find revival by crying out to God in their moment of despair. My friend, you will realize as you grow and mature spiritually that pain and discomfort are not your enemy when God is involved. You think about the fact that God produces something special. And if if you have a job where you manufacture something, in order to make something, the product has to go through a time of shaping and molding. And if that piece of wood or metal or clay had feelings, it would probably be saying, ouch, this hurts right now. But it's not about the product, or it's not about the material, it's about the product. See, it's not about the clay. It's about the product. If you go into the scripture, you see how God wants to use us as vessels, just to use the clay illustration. He wants to make us to be a vessel. We might be uh, made out of clay, which is not something super special. But it's what the, the, the vessel is holding. It's what the vessel is being used for. It's not the vessel. It's what God wants to do with the vessel. And so get yourself off the throne. Stop telling God, no, stop putting this in my life. Stop messing with me, God. Don't tell him that. Say, God, you've got something special you want to do through me. So God, I need you to do a work first in me. And so think about those that want revival. They cry out to God. It's the mom in the kitchen with the kids clamoring around. You know, uh, I I feel for the moms you know, with the little children, you can't go anywhere without those children following you around. And you moms probably love love that, but I'm telling you, there comes a breaking point. There comes a point where you are weary and exhausted and you say, am I a good mom? Because it feels like I'm not really doing anything here. It feels like I have no power to do what I should be doing. How am I going to raise these kids to to love Jesus? I'm overwhelmed. And that mom cries out, God, help me. That's when God shows up, when we realize that we need him. It's the man who wakes up every morning with that besetting sin who is struggling and defeated and he goes to work but finally he gets on his face and he says god help me god help me see many times we think that god is nowhere to be found because we're struggling because we're defeated no god is at hand call out to him call out to him Think about the young person who wants God to be real to them and to be in their life and to even use them, to be a a vessel, as I was talking about, to be used of God, to minister in his kingdom. And God brings us to that breaking point. There's some that are actually running from God this morning, I feel, like Jonah. Although they know that God's calling is on their life. And God's going to put blocks in their life as they're running away. You saw that in the life of Jonah. I mean, he, he went through a lot, didn't he? I hope that you don't have to get swallowed by a great fish in order for you to finally say, God, use me. God, use my life. God, use my life. You come to the end of yourself, which is such a wonderful thing, but it's such a foreign thing to many of us. We've never come to the end of self. It's crying out to God in honest humility. God, I need your help. Use me to do your work, but I need your help. I need your help. That's why Paul ends this this, this, uh, section on spiritual warfare with prayer. Prayer is the way to find victory in your life. And prayer is the last thing we think about many times. May prayer be your steering wheel rather than your spare tire. amen Go to God first, go to just go right away. you don't have to be broken uh, or go through the time of breaking. I should say we need to be broken, but you don't have to be uh you don't have to resist God to the point where he 's just Constantly taking you to the woodshed. You just need to say, God, I'm going to listen to you right now. Be sensitive to Him. Don't quench the Spirit. Be sensitive to God right away, right away. I was thinking about my life. There's been a few times, but one time <clears throat> in particular, I was just sharing in our Sunday school class, I had been asked to travel in evangelism. I was 20 years old. Traveled with, uh, just for a semester. And... I didn't want to go. And I could give you all the reasons why I didn't want to go and why it didn't even make any sense for me to go, to be honest with you. It wasn't the right time in my life. And I've probably even, that thought process, I'm sure, went through my mind. This is the wrong time. Maybe next year. There was a desire there, but I was saying no to God. No. I, I think about, it was 2008. And I was right here on this property. And I'd been asked to travel that fall semester. I was going into my, my junior year of college. I was halfway through. You ever get to that point where you're just halfway through something, and you're like, praise God, I'm on the other side? And not going over the hill at 40 years of age. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> that's why all the decorations are black. You ever notice that? And uh, I've been to a few of those over-the-hill parties, and those are kind of fun. But I remember when my dad turned 40 in 1995, and it was the first time I ever saw that. Everyone was all excited over the hill, over the hill. Like, what does that mean? That means you're halfway. You're halfway. 40 is halfway. And uh, it should be 35. I'm going to be 35 this year because 70 is what the Bible says, right? And so I'm going to have my first over the hill this year at 35. But I I was thinking about that. You know, I was halfway done with college. I'm not going to quit now to travel. I can travel anytime, later. Maybe do it during the summer. But... All that was asked of me actually at that time, all that was asked is why don't you just pray about this? Because we, we have somebody that was not able to travel. This was Dr. Jim Van Galdrin with the War, uh, the War of Special Forces. You know, you have the Army and the Navy. And they would even do the Cola Clash, Coke versus Pepsi. And we would go to different towns and Christian schools and uh, they would uh, hold these rallies and, and many kids would get saved. Many teenagers were reached through that ministry and still are. But You know, it was a, a wonderful opportunity, but it wasn't the right time. At least that's what I thought. And I remember that Dr. Jim called me again, and he said, Can you just pray about it? Just pray about it. Sure, I'll pray about it. August of 2008, I'm standing outside, and I'm putting letters on the church sign, like Brother Richard does today. Same sign and everything. 14 years ago this month. And I was doing the work of God. I was serving God like I had desired to do, like God had put in my heart. And I was going back to college and everything was up. Everything was exciting. 20 years of age, you know, that's just a great time in your life. But the thought hit me. And it was probably the Holy Spirit convicting me. And I realized I had not prayed like I said I was going to pray. And in that moment, I didn't say a quick prayer. I just realized that God wanted me to do the travel, to go on that trip. And and I didn't even have to pray about it because I already knew the answer. And sometimes we do know the answer. We don't have to pray about things. It's because we're resisting God's work. And just because you're at church and just because you might be teaching or serving doesn't mean that you're even in the perfect center of God's will. Because sometimes we start doing things that we know God wants us to do in general because we're pacifying him. God, I'll do this. We kind of make little, um, you know, we negotiate. God, I know you want me to go to the mission field, but I'll build a big bus route here in Milwaukee. This is the mission field too. But there might be some specific place that God has called you to. There there is a specific calling for each of us. We all have something God wants us to do. We just have to submit to him. Why don't you do that today? Don't let God break you. Be sensitive. I'll serve you. We just sang about it. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. Well, are you there? And are you being sent? Yes, you are. Are you willing to go? you have to go. Father, I pray that you bless this time of invitation as we pray. I pray that you would help us to, uh, to give everything to you. Not to negotiate, not to barter, not to, uh, not to come to some agreement, but to, Lord, to realize that you are supposed to be the Lord of our life. You are our God. You don't want any other gods. I pray that you would deal with us like only you can. That you make it so clear. So clear. I think sometimes the reason it's so cloudy is because we know we're supposed to be doing something and we're resisting you. We're quenching the Holy Spirit. And, that, and there's no direction. Our compass is broken. And so God, I pray that right now, this morning, we would just submit. Finally give it all to Jesus. I surrender all. It's all, it's all yours, God. May we, may we overcome.